Well, if I could, I would transport all of us right back to Bethlehem, right back to the manger, right back to the very first Christmas. But since I can't do that, I can't wave a magic wand and make that happen, the next best thing is for us to read the Christmas story again from Luke chapter 2. And I'll be reading from the English Standard Version this morning, but I, I really need your help. I know you've got your Bible and some of you got your Bible open, but I'm going to ask you to, to help me read the text off the screen this morning. There will be a, a few slides that says unison reading. That means that we'll read it in unison. Unison reading, that's what that means. We read in unison, we read it together. So I'll ask you to help me reading the text this morning. I will continue to lead you through the unison reading, but we'll enjoy reading the Christmas story together. So let's begin. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So, there were only two lines to the very first Christmas carol. One of the carols we sang this morning had much more than two lines, but in the very first Christmas carol, just two lines. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the first line says, Glory to God in the highest. The angel of the Lord had been speaking to the shepherds, reassuring them, telling them not to be afraid because he had good news of great joy to share with them. No need to be afraid. But <laughs> they, knew, they no sooner stopped shaking with fright than this great company of the heavenly hosts suddenly appear beside the angel and together they start singing this Christmas carol. But it says suddenly they appear. Suddenly. Without warning. Without notice. Without, without uh, an announcement of any kind. They just appear. This great company of the heavenly hosts appear with the angel 
and they start singing. Luke uses the Greek word plethos to describe the number of angels that were present in the sky that night. The, the Greek word plethos is the word from which we derive the English word plethora, which means an overabundance, an excess, or, or a surplus. So this plethos of angels this was a great number. We don't know how many. Hundreds upon hundreds, maybe thousands upon thousands that filled the expanse of this sky as they sang glory to God in the highest. Can you imagine those poor shepherds? I mean, totally freaked out, right? First the angel appears and they're frightened and they just start to calm down and all of a sudden, shazam! There's a plethos, a plethora of angels filling the sky. They must have been frightened. But this colossal number of cosmic messengers was not sent to to frighten the shepherds or the sheep. They had an assignment. They were there to praise God and sing glory to God in the highest. Their assignment was to bring glory to God who created the universe and everything in it. So they had been dispatched with great joy by the highest host of heaven to sing this very first Christmas carol that was ever recorded announcing the birth of the Savior Jesus. Question. How is this tiny baby born in a manger going to bring glory to God in the highest? I wonder if the shepherds wondered the same thing. How is this little tiny baby going to bring glory to God? What will he do to bring credit or to add fame to the name of the Most High God? How was this lowly birth in Bethlehem going to magnify the prominence and preeminence of the living God of the universe? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. I think the, the, the shepherds were probably asking the same thing. Well, for one thing, the birth of Jesus fulfilled prophecy. And that in and of itself would bring glory to God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, for example, uh, the curse upon Satan, the, the curse that God placed upon Satan, includes a promise that the seed of a woman, in other words, one of her descendants, would bruise the head or crush the head of the serpent, but he himself would also be hurt in the process. And of course, that's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. So when, when Jesus was born, that whole process was, 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 was put into motion and ultimately he crushed the head of Satan when he was crucified on the cross. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 states that Bethlehem would be the very place where Messiah would be born. And that utterance, that prophetic utterance was given 700 years before Jesus was born. And then looking back at all the promises that were fulfilled in the Old Testament by the birth of Jesus... The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all yes in Christ. So, so Paul takes this sort of panoramic view of all of the prophecies of the Old Testament, the timing of, of his birth, the place of his birth, and all of the other prophecies that relate to Jesus Christ, and he says all of these promises, all of the promises that God has made are yes in Christ Jesus. And I say, Amen. Thanks be to God. And so the birth of Jesus fulfills prophecy, and that brings glory to God. 
Furthermore, the life of Jesus, the life of Jesus revealed the Father, and that too brings glory to God. Day after day after day, week after week, year after year, Jesus lived his life to bring, to bring praise and honor and blessing and glory and dominion and power to God and to his name. He wanted to reveal the Father to the multitudes. And in John 14, 9, Jesus says to Philip, who's still not quite getting it, Jesus says to him, Have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Jesus reveals the Father. If you want to know God the Father, you need to get to know Jesus the Son. Because he reveals the Father. And every time he does that, every time Jesus did something or said something in the Gospels to, to, to reveal who God the Father was, it glorified him. It brought him honor and blessing and dominion and power. Do you see that? And then in, over in John chapter 12, at verse 44, he says, If you trust me, you're really trusting God who sent me. For when you see me, you're seeing the one who sent me. I've come as a light to shine in this dark world so, so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the darkness. You see, and that's the reason Jesus came, was to set his people free from their sins and so that they no longer have to walk in the darkness and the fog of sin and chaos and, and, and disillusionment. So throughout his life on earth, Jesus continually revealed the heart of the Father the love of God, the compassion of God, the mercy of God, the tenderness of God. All that Jesus did and said was, was in part to bring glory to the Father and reveal him to his people. So, every time that we're able to show someone or speak about the love of God or the mercy of God or the tenderness of God, every time we, we get a chance to share that in word or in deed, with people, we are bringing glory to the Father. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We can bring glory to God the Father by the way we live. So the birth of Jesus fulfilled promises. The life of Jesus reveals the Father. And the death of Jesus provides salvation, and that too brings glory to God. When Joseph discovered that Mary, his fiancée, was pregnant, he considered his options. But Matthew tells us that her husband Joseph, Mary's husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He didn't want to shame her, wanted to do things properly, but not expose her. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, which is the New Testament form of Joshua, which is Yeshua, which really means Jehovah saves. <laughs> Wonderful heritage. Joshua. Jehovah saves. Jesus. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. There it is. There it is. Right there, in black and white. 
Jesus will save his people from their sins. And every time he does that, every time someone else is forgiven and saved, God the Father is glorified. The angels do a little salvation dance, and there's a party in heaven every time, every single time, without fail, always, every time, without fail, always, there's a party. Because that's why Jesus came. That's why the little babe was born in Bethlehem, so that he could grow up and live a life of holiness as an example to us. And he could go to the cross without blemish and die there so that he could save his people from their sins. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to do what? Save sinners. Who's a sinner here? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much all of us. In fact, all of us. And he came to save us. He came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came to save us, of whom I am the foremost, Paul wrote. Well, he might have an argument on his hands. <laughs> I read a story once about a guy named Randy Neighbors. Uh, Randy was conducting seminars in a large, sprawling penitentiary. One night he was in his room going over his notes when there was a knock at the door, it was a government-employed psychiatrist who wanted to chat. So he came into the room, sat down, quite exasperated, apparently, um, and he said, I'll tell you, Reverend, I can cure somebody's madness, but I can't do anything about his badness. Psychiatry, properly administered, he said, can turn a schizophrenic bank robber into a mentally healthy bank robber. A good teacher can turn an illiterate criminal into an educated criminal, but there's still bank robbers and criminals, he shouted. He was so frustrated. The doctor just couldn't fix the problem. Psychiatry, psychology, counseling can help madness or sadness but it can't do anything about badness. That requires a savior, and his name is Jesus. Jesus came to save his people from their badness, from their sins. It it requires a savior, and only Jesus can do that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. There is no other person who can forgive the badness of mankind. And womankind too, by the way. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can forgive sin and flood our hearts with joy. Only Jesus can bring healing to a life that's been ripped apart by sin. Only Jesus can bring hope to a marriage that's been broken by sinful behavior. Only Jesus can give new life through the new birth because Jesus came to save his people from their sins. That's what he does. That's who he is. He's the Savior. And that's something to sing about. And that's what the angels did. Glory to God in the highest. I don't know if they were swaying, if they had their hands raised. But I suspect so. It was a party. Glory to God in the highest. Because Jesus would save his people from their sins. Thank you, Jesus. 
The second line of this first Christmas carol says, Peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now the New Living Translation says, Peace on earth to all whom God favors. God has favorites? The New International Version says, Peace to those on whom his favor rests. It doesn't matter what translation you look at, the meaning is the same. The meaning is that peace on earth will, in the highest instance, become a reality among those who are blessed by the goodwill and the favor of God, those redeemed in Christ, those who have received Christ by believing in his name, those who are obedient to Christ, those who are born again in Christ, those who are ordained to live as children of God through faith in Christ. Yes, the first Christmas greeting was a greeting for all the people, for sure. It was good news for all the people. And God loves the whole world so much that he sent his one and only son to die on the cross so that we might have eternal life. But real peace, not just in the generic sense, but in the, in the specific sense, peace on earth comes only to those upon whom God's favor rests. That's exactly what the text says. The peace of God and the peace with God comes only to those who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I mean, that stands to reason. Uh, logically as well as theologically, it stands to reason. There is no peace for those upon whom the wrath of God rests, right? There's no peace for them until they come into a relationship with Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. There is no eternal peace for people who reject Jesus Christ all the way to the grave. No peace. Peace on earth cannot be achieved by a summit with all the superpowers of the world. G7, G8, G6, however many Gs there are. You get them all to get all the Gs together, you still can't, you, you still won't have peace, world peace. Peace on earth cannot be established by renewing diplomatic relations with Cuba. That might help the world of baseball a little bit, uh, but it's not going to bring peace to the world. True peace, that <laughs> real, authentic, genuine, lasting peace comes only when I acknowledge that Jesus Christ is my Savior, that he, he was born for me, that he lived for me, that he died for me, that he came out of the grave alive for me, that he, he lives for me, that he intercedes for me, that he loves me, that his favor rests on me. It's on that foundation that true peace is built. Do you believe this? Many years ago in a Moscow theater, an actor played the role of Jesus in a sacrilegious play called Christ in a Tuxedo. He was supposed to read two verses from the Sermon on the Mount and then take off his cloak and say, give me my top hat and tuxedo. Well, as he read the words from Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. He began to tremble, literally, he began to tremble at the word of God 
And instead of following the script, he kept reading in Matthew chapter 5, reading and reading and reading. And he ignored all the costs and the <coughs> calls and the foot stomping of his fellow actors. And finally, recalling a verse that he had remembered from his childhood in the Russian Orthodox Church, he said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And before the curtain fell, this actor had trusted in Jesus Christ. He had believed in Jesus, receiving Christ as his Savior, and trusting in his finished work. And that, my friends, is exactly how you and I can experience peace also, by, by simply uh, falling to our knees and confessing that we need a Savior, and his name is Jesus, by trusting in his work for on our behalf. Jesus has paid it all. You know, he paid the penalty, he paid the price, he, he, he did the sacrifice, he is the sacrifice. And all we have to do is believe. Trust in him and believe. Scripture says we have peace with God only through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's the only way we get that peace on earth. Glory to God in the highest, line one. Peace on earth, line two. But we know from the rest of Scripture that that peace comes only to those who have a relationship with Jesus, who've entered into that. Have you made peace with God yet? Have you entered into that place of relationship and forgiveness with God through Jesus? We're not talking about religion here. We're not talking about another ritual here. We're talking about a relationship with the living God and entering into that state of peace, that, that wonderful, joyful, eternal state of peace with God in spite of all that's going on around us. Have you, have you got that this Christmas? I mean, that's the best gift of all. First Christmas carol, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So may the God of heaven be glorified in our lives this Christmas as we remember that the birth of Jesus fulfills prophecy and his life reveals the Father. And his death promises salvation. And may the peace of God be yours to enjoy. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh, Lord Jesus, we're so thankful that you came to fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament. And we're just in awe again today as we reflect on your humble entrance into our world. You came to a stable full of questionable smells and sights. Lord, you are the wonderful counselor. You are the mighty God and everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And even, even as a babe, even as a baby, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord was upon you. You are the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one by whom all oppression will be stopped one day. All chains will be broken one day. All injustice will give way to justice. And so we praise you and bless you and adore you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, by your, by your power, grieving is transformed into gladness. Broken hearts become whole hearts. Despairing hearts become 
delight-filled hearts. And, and we've got all those people here this morning, Lord. We've got grieving people. We've got people with broken hearts. We've got people who are despairing today. And so we ask you to meet their needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Because of you, Lord Jesus, we, the disfavored, become the favorite of the Lord. Thank you. And as surely as you were born in that lowly stable, you were nailed to an undeserved cross. This morning we sing with the angel, Glory to God in the highest. Lord, bring peace to every heart, every family represented in the gathering this Christmas season. May every family here know and experience the reality of Christ in us, the hope of glory. For we pray this all in the, the very precious, the highest name of all, the name of Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, our Master and King. Amen and amen.